Welcome to Encompass Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us today. To share your story of what God has been doing in you and through you, take a moment to email us at amen at encompass.org.au. Enjoy today's message. Wow. So good to see you in church. First day of the year. Why don't you stand up and I know you've said hello to somebody, but stand up and wish them a happy new year. Right? Do that. Somebody you haven't seen before. Happy New Year, then take a seat. I think we need to do that. It's a great opportunity. You can take a seat. And a Happy New Year from, from us all here in Encompass Church and from our family, the Spinella family, the Newcastle family, and all, all, all of your family around here. Uh, we, we pray God's richest blessing will be yours. Do you believe that? In abundance. In abundance this year that God will go before you. And no matter what happens, that he will lead you, that he will show you which direction to go. And we also welcome those who are online. I know there's a number of people who are on holidays in Queensland and New South Wales and everywhere else. Why don't we put our hand together for them? We welcome you. <laughs> Next time, show up in person. <laughs> I understand. People got to go on holidays every now and then. But you know, there's no better place to be in church than the first day of the year and to present ourselves before God and to present... Uh, even with the circumstances that are around us. So at the end of the service, we're going to be having an anointing uh, service where we will invite you to come and to be prayed for and just to consecrate you, your family, to believe God for his favor, for breakthrough, for, for goodness, for mercy that we just heard about over your life. And so we're going to invite you. So prepare your hearts for that. It's not going to be a long prayer. We're just going to anoint you with oil and just send you out with his blessing. And uh, the, the scripture tells us to do that. The actual oil speaks of consecration. It speaks of setting people aside. So be prepared to receive something from God. So the month of, of January, we are uh, concentrating on prayer. And uh, prayer is essential uh, to our Christian life. And, and so uh, we need to constantly be reminded of prayer and how powerful it is and how effective it can be in our lives because we can lose a little bit of its efficacy. When we stop praying with expectation, when we stop praying with with faith, we need to go back to the Word of God. And we need to be inspired once again because that is the core. It's not just something we put to one side. Pray first. Not last. Pray first. And so we need to be inspired once again. And I think it's a wonderful thing for this year. Um. I heard a story recently that, that really sets this uh, apart. A pastor had heard that there was a bar, a drinking bar that had been set up just down the road. And it was causing all sorts of havoc in the neighborhood. Uh, men were going there, they were getting drunk, and then that was causing marriages to bust up. It was community problems everywhere. And so the pastor called the church together to pray. And he said, let's plead before God that God will shut down this bar. And so they prayed. And what happened two weeks later, there was a storm. And there was a bolt of lightning hit the bar and burned it to the ground. The bar owner was not happy, very unhappy. And he threatened and did want to sue the church. Because he said, this is an act of God. You prayed against my bar. So you are responsible for the damages that occurred. 
So I went to court, and there he argued. That was his argument. He said, well, you know, my, my, everything was going well, and this church prayed, and, and, and they were burnt to the ground, and, and so they need to pray. A- anyway, the pastor got up. He said, this is absolutely ludicrous that we should pay. He said, look, yeah, sure, we prayed. Absolutely. We, be- we, we, we asked God that he would shut down the bar, but nobody really believed that anything was going to happen. <laughs> The judge listened, and he was astonished. He didn't know what to say. He sat back in his chair, and he finally came out with this words. He said, this is, this is amazing. He said, we have a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer, and we have a pastor who doesn't. What can I say? Well, not in this church. Amen. The point is that sometimes we can go through the ritual of prayer, but sometimes we really don't believe that anything is going to happen. And that ought not to be the case. Whenever that happens, whenever we see that our faith is diminishing and in the expectation and faith of prayer, that we need to go back to the scriptures and, and see what they say. So today I understand that right here we've got people from different churches. I, I understand our churches and even those visiting from uh, different places. I would imagine probably 95% of people here are going to be Christians, are going to be followers of Jesus Christ. So uh, can I go a bit deeper tonight, today? Okay, I'm going to go a bit deeper because I'm going to assume that you're here. You're coming to church because you love Jesus. You don't come on New Year's Day because, oh, I think I'll just visit a church. No, no. Usually you're there because you want to give your life to Christ. You want to, you want to make sure the year is presented well. So here we go. Listen to what the scriptures say. James chapter 5, verse 16 says... The, power, the prayer of a righteous person has great power and is in its working or is powerful and effective. John chapter 15 verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Psalm 50 verse 15. And call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. So what we have here is when we lose that sense of expectation of prayer, it means that realistically that we're trying to do things in our own strength. But when we commit ourselves to praying first, it means that our dependency is upon God for him to do that which we cannot do. For what is impossible with man is possible with God. That's the bottom line. We realize that we have our resources, but we come to the end of those and we then touch God's power. I want to... I want to just focus on two words today. And the most two, probably one of the two most powerful words in Scripture are these two words, but God. Everybody say, but God. God. It's found 45 times in the Scriptures, but God. It's when God steps into a situation where there is an impossibility and does what only He can do. What is a but God moment? A but God moment and I'll show you the scriptures in a moment, is when there is no way, no way for the marriage to be restored, no way for the relationship to be resolved, no way for the finances to somehow work out, no way for the church to recover, no way for a ministry to come back again, no way for, the, for a body to be healed, no way, whatever you want to put in there. It's no way, no way. But God steps in through prayer and faith and does what we cannot do. But God. When do we experience but God moments? 
We experience but God moments, not when the birds are chirping and everything is wonderful and the sun is shining, but when we come to the end of our resources and we say, God, I don't know what to do. And then God steps in. Have you ever had one of those moments where God steps in and does what you cannot do? And I'm going to share just a few more scriptures. Acts chapter 9, verse 7. Follow me. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. Read the rest. But God was with him. In Genesis 50, Joseph is now speaking to his brothers. And he says these words. As for you, you meant it for evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present outcome that many people will be kept alive as they are today. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. Read it with me. But with God, all things are possible. Acts chapter 13, verse 29, they took Jesus down from the cross, from the tree, and they laid him in a tomb. What? But God raised him from the dead. But God, but God, but God, despite all the evil, despite the fact that that hell was against the people, despite whatever was occurring, God stepped in and did the impossible. In Romans chapter 5, it talks about the fact that we were lost in our sins and we were powerless to save ourselves. And then it says in Romans chapter 5 verse 7, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. He rescued us. When we could not be rescued, when we were going sinking into sinking sand, he put out his hand and he rescued us. 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 14. Day after day, King Saul searched for David, but God did not give him into his hand. He was totally outnumbered. There was no way that he could escape, but God stepped in. And then Psalm 73, verse 25, my flesh and my heart may fail. Ever got to those places where you don't know what to do? Your heart is broken. You're disappointed. Things have not worked out. It says, but God is the strength of my life and my portion forever. But God, say it again, but God. I want to take you to us to a story today that's found in the Old Testament. Not a story that everybody knows too much about to actually illustrate this point. And then what I'd like to do is share some present day experiences in history where God has stepped in. And then maybe even some personal stories. Are you okay with that? You all right with that? Okay, that's where we're going. If you turn to Genesis chapter 31, it's a story about Laban and Jacob. And... To give you a bit of a background, Jacob has had to flee from where he was living because he's made some stupid mistakes. And he goes to a different region of the land and he meets a man called Laban. And while he's there, he notices that he has a beautiful daughter by the name of Rachel. It's love at first sight. It's like, whoa, I want this woman to be my wife. And so he approaches Laban and he says, I would love to marry your daughter. It's a, to make a good TV series, actually, this, this story here. And you don't have, even have to embellish it. He says, sure, you can. No problem whatsoever. I'd rather give her to you than some of these scoundrels and rascals around the place. But he says, we have a custom here. And you are to work for seven years. 
for me as a dowry. He goes, okay, no problem. And in the, the Word of God says that he was so enamored and so loved Rachel that it seemed like a few days to him. But then at the end of the seven years, on a technicality, he ends up giving not Rachel but Leah to Jacob. And he says, well, we have a custom here. And, and when Jacob uh, objected, he said, but we have a custom here. It's the older one who's got to get married first. And she can see right at the beginning, this man is a, he's a schemer. He's a, he's a deceiver. He, he just likes to get his own way. And then he has to work another 14 years. Think about, sorry, another seven years. 14 years for a wife. I mean, I know you love her, but seriously. Now, if you just extrapolate that out, so $60,000, $70,000 a year, 14 years, that's a million dollars. She better be good. <laughs> Laban says to him, at the end of the 14 years, I want you to come and work for me because I can see that God blesses you. Now, I don't know why Jacob worked for him because he already had shown his hand. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's a, he says, oh, okay, I will. And so he begins to work for him. But instead of, and, and this is what the Word of God says, that Jacob began to prosper because the blessing of God was upon him and upon his father and his grandfather. It was generous. Can I just say something? If you belong to a godly line, you are a blessed person. Maybe the blessing that you are receiving now is not because of you, but maybe because somebody else prayed. Your father, your, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your mother, your father, or, or maybe, maybe an uncle, an auntie. And if you don't have that line, don't despair. Start one yourself. Start a godly line yourself. And you'll be a blessing not only to you, but to your children, your grandchildren. That's another side. But here, he's getting blessed. Jacob is getting blessed. And you would think that a father-in-law would be happy about that, to see that the son-in-law is doing well, that, the, that the, the daughter, his two daughters are doing well. Oh, no, not this man. No. Oh, no. All he can think about is himself, and he changes the contract. We have a name for people like this. It's called low life. <laughs> I mean, the guy has got no integrity. Why wouldn't you want to bless your children? No, no, it's all about him. And in Genesis chapter 31, verse 7, Jacob reveals this hurt about what their father has done. He said, your father has deceived me and changed my wages 10 times. But God did not allow him to hurt me. And then when Laban began to complain, this is what he said in Genesis chapter 31 verse 42. Had not God been with me, you would have sent me away empty handed with nothing. But God has seen my hardship. But God has seen my hardship. For 20 years, Jacob has worked for Laban. He has not ripped him off. He's been a person of integrity. He's not taken advantage of him. And now he's been ripped off. And there's nothing he could do about it. I can imagine Jacob going, praying to God and saying, God, 
this is so unfair, it's so unjust, I'm doing the right thing by my father-in-law. But you, but you said, Lord, you said to my father and you said to my grandfather and you said to my great-grandfather that we would be blessed and that you would look after us. Lord, please, will you intervene? Lord, will you stand up for me? Will you stand up for my family? And there's no better place to go when things are going against you. Always in prayer to God. Lay it out before the Lord and say, God, here I am. I don't know what to do, but it, it is in your hands. In fact, there's a, there's a wonderful scripture uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. It says this, so if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God or that God has allowed, keep doing what is right. Don't sink to their level. Keep doing what is right. And trust your lives to the God who created you. For he will never fail you. He will never fail you. He will never fail you. And I'm preaching to myself. He will never fail you. And God obviously heard. Because astonishingly, God turned it around. And it's in Genesis chapter 31, verse 8 and 9. Jacob explains it to Rachel and Leah. He said, if Laban said, your father, if he said the speckled animals will be your wages, the whole flock began to produce speckled young. And when he changed his mind, no, 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 no. He says, the striped animals will be your wages. Then the whole flock produced striped young. And in this way, God has taken your father's animals and given them to me. <laughs> See, but God, it's like Jacob says, you would have left me penniless, but God, you would have taken everything away from me, but God, you would have ruined my reputation, but God, you would have even sought to harm me physically, but God, but God, but God, but God shows up and he does what which we cannot do. I want to take you through a couple of historical moments that you may find intriguing. I don't know how many people know this. Let me take you to the Second World War. And most of you were not alive at that time or you were fairly young. But there was a pivotal moment in the Second World War where things could have gone really pear-shaped. And the world that we have today would not have existed in its present form. Hitler rose with such power that his war machine was crushing nations. Nation after nation, he had an unstoppable war machine. Hundreds of thousands of people were dying and it seemed that no one could overcome him. The fate of the world was hanging in the balance. And then, then the focus turned toward Britain in 1940 in what was called by Winston Churchill, the Battle of Britain. And this, ba this battle took place between July the 10th and October 31st, 1940. And it's, the reason why it's remembered is because of Winston Churchill's famous speech. And this is what he said. Upon this battle depends the survival of Christian civilization. Hitler knows that he will have to break us in this island or lose the war. If he can stand up, if we can stand up against him, all Europe will be free. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves 
that if the British Empire and its Commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say, this was our finest hour. Wonderful words. Very inspiring. But the fact is this, that the Royal Air Force, Britain's Royal Air Force, was outnumbered four to one. The battle was going to be fought in the skies. There is no way they could have won. King George VI called the National Day of Prayer on September the 8th, 1940, at the peak of the aerial battle, and the people of the nation supported him. They began to line up outside churches. They had to put on special church services. There were there was thousands, there was millions of people queuing up. And the reason why they were queuing up is this, that that same year, on May the 26th, he had called another day of prayer. And this time it was because previously, 338,000 soldiers were stranded in Dunkirk. They were like sitting ducks. And the nation prayed, God, you have to intervene. Nobody thought that they could be rescued. At most, they thought 38,000 may be rescued. But God... 338, the whole lot of them were rescued. At Dunkirk, there should have been a massacre. And at the Battle of Britain, it should have been an annihilation. But because people prayed, because they put their trust in God, but God stepped in and he did the impossible. Because what is impossible with man is possible with God. Come on, let's give him praise. Prayer releases the power of God. And even in your life, God will make a way. If you will pray, he will make a way. Over it, under it, around it. In some way, you may lose, you may lose a little bit of the battle, but you'll never lose the war because God will stand for you. As we move into 2023, understand, I'm standing outside. I'm having a conversation with guys. There's a few guys there. I says, why is it that every time we come to the end of a year, we say, thank God that was over. Oh, thank God. Every year, I, I, I hear people say the same thing. Thank God, a new year. I wish I could tell you that it was different. I've never heard somebody say, wow, that was a fantastic year. <laughs> this year, you're going to experience challenges. This year, you're going to go through difficulties. But you need to know that God is with you. But God was with Joseph. But God was with, with Jacob. God will be with you and he will take you through. Amen. He will take you through. Don't wish for a plain sailing, comfortable life. It'll never happen. You'll never achieve anything in life. But know that God is with you. That's all that really matters. Let me give you a few. I began to reflect on some part of my family, some stories. And some of you may have heard, but because some of you here are new, I, I want to share them again. In 1981, I was going out with Lois and we were in Bible college. And I got a phone call from her saying, I've been involved in a serious accident. 
And I really didn't know the extent of that accident, actually. So I'm telling it from my side. We were just going out probably three, four months, and she had gone home for the break. She, she, she lived in Gainder, a little place in Queensland. And there was a wedding that took place during her break. And so she drove with a car full of girls to Maryborough, which is about two hours away. And everything was fine. I still know the car. It was the brother's car. It's a green Gemini. And he loved that car. And, and so she drove there and everything's fine. As, but as weddings, you know, everywhere, they go along and, and probably finished at 11.30, 12 o'clock. And then she had to drive back. And as she's driving back, it was quiet in the car, and, 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 you know, she fell asleep. And she went down the embankment, and the thing flipped, not just once, but quite a number of times. She should have died or been seriously hurt. Everybody in that car was in deep danger. But when she got out of the car, and you tell me the chances of this, underneath the front wheel, there was a Bible. A Bible. That had flung out of the car and got stuck underneath the front wheel. And it was God saying this, I've looked after you. She should have been dead. She should have been seriously injured. But God. But God. That's the God we serve. And I, for one, am very happy about that, that God looked after her. Because I got to marry this beautiful woman over 40 years, and we have two beautiful children, three grandchildren. My life is in gratitude to God for his goodness. And um, let me tell you another story. Um, I may have mentioned this one. I, at the age of 16, I had to take on a trade and that's another story in itself. There was necessities in our home where I had no option but to study, but I had to take on a trade. And I became a carpenter, like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <laughs> I reckon it was good enough for him, it was good enough for me. And I'm now about 17 years of age. I've been in the trade for about a year, and, and we were working at the Strayham Museum, and there was a particular job that needed to be done. And, and, and so the foreman said to me, he said, be really, really, really careful. I had to remove some beading. And there was a, it was a glass panel, old, very old, fine glass. And I had to remove the panel. And then we had to slowly take the glass and then change it. I did my best, really tried to be really careful. But I still remember that my crowbar went straight through, went straight through the beading smashed the glass and even though this took place over 50 years ago I can still feel the glass falling on me on my face what was worse I could still feel the grit in my eyes the, the glass coming into my eyes and I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where you thought to yourself I'm in big trouble I thought I am in big trouble and the only thing I could say was Jesus. We sang that song today, I Speak Jesus. Sometimes that's all you can say. I said, Jesus, Jesus, help me. Now, I can't tell you to this day why my face wasn't cut, but more importantly, why it didn't go blind. I should have gone blind that day. 
I should have had serious eye injury. You don't get glass into your eye. And there was a lot of glass. I could still feel it. But God. But God. But God stepped in. And that's what he does. You see, when it comes to prayer, there's various forms of prayer. Sometimes prayer is long. And there's nothing wrong with that. But prayer ought to be our first port of call. Pray, pray first. Pray first. Before you get up, get out of bed, pray. Before you go to bed, pray. Before you go to that interview, pray. Before you have that difficult conversation, pray. Before you get in that car for the long drive, pray. Before you ask that person whether they're going to marry you, pray a lot. Pray. Pray. Pray ought to be the way we live our lives. It's not just a focus for a month. Well, let's just have a focus on prayer. That's wonderful. It is. But prayer for the Christian is like breathing. It's constant. And then sometimes there are what we call sudden and intense prayers, where it's just like you don't have time to say much. Jesus. Peter is drowning. He didn't go, oh, Lord, thou beseech thee. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Help. That's it. They're called arrow prayers. You see, it's not the length of your prayer, it's the intensity, it's the dependency, it's your trust and faith in God. Can I have an amen here? That's what it is. That's what it is. I'll tell you one more story and then we'll wrap this up. How many of you remember the global financial crisis? Yeah. It happened, um, I was looking it up to make sure I had the dates right, mid-2007 and early, up to early 2009. But what actually happened is that when we had the global financial crisis, some of you weren't even alive, so you don't even know what I'm talking about. But just for those of us who are a little bit old, okay, just bear with us. For five to six years, it, it took five to six years for employment to go back to where it was. It took quite a long time. And, and during that time in our church, it was a bit scary because people were losing their jobs. People were uh, cutting back in their work. Uh, and and, and the, the finances started to drop in the church. Other churches like... Uh, Richmond and different, different places, they were, they were actually having to uh, dismiss staff because just the money was not there. And so it was rather a sad time. And I remember sharing with the board, and, and uh, Roger Loganathan was there in the board at that time, and, and we said, you know, this is just a bit... We're in, we were actually in the middle of a building program. We were raising finance for that. And uh, I said, well, you know, so I said, can you guys pray? This is what I do. You know, that's why one of the reasons the board is there is to support and to pray and to stand with us during difficult times. And I said, and at the end of it, I just felt to just share with the congregation. And nothing, nothing specific. Now, those of you will remember that every now and then I would have a family chat. Remember the family chats? Sometimes it was not good news. But we won't go there. So I had a family chat. I think I, I pulled up a chair and said, guys, I just want to talk to you as a church family. You, I want to be honest with you. Things are just a bit tight at the moment. And I still remember the words I used. Nothing specific. I said, um, you know, finances have been down a little bit, but we just want you to support us in prayer. Our faith is in God. He's been with us always. And we just believe that he will be with us now but we just wanted you to be aware of that that's it how many remember that okay you know it's a long time ago so there's a few of you okay okay yes fred you would remember because you've been around here a long time three weeks later 
we get a check in the mail. It's a check for $100,000. Now, I've never got a check for $100,000. If some of you would like to give me a check for $100,000, that's fine. $100,000. And we found out later how this all happened. Apparently, when I was sharing, the man had heard that I had said, we need $100,000. I would never do that. Have I ever said that? I've, I would never do that. That's not part of my style. I just, that, that's just like, you want to manufacture it. So I said, never do that. What happened? God whispered in his ear. Now, the reason I can tell this story is because this person now has gone to be with glory, in, gone to be with Jesus, right? So not here. So don't look around and think, who is it? God whispered in his ear. And when we then said to him, listen, I just want to, because you've got to be people of integrity. So I'm, we said to the, to the man, I said, look, I, I didn't say $100,000. So if you want to change things, he said, no, 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 that's okay. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. We should have been in big financial problem. But God, God stepped in. And he did that which we could not do. In fact, that's exactly what we needed at that time. And God was good. But God, but God, but God. If you think you can step into this year without but God moments, you're, you're kidding yourself. But I know this, that God is for us. I don't know what 2023 is going to be like, what you're going to go through, what I'm going to go through, what your family's going to go through. But I know this, that what is impossible with man is possible with God. That's all right. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.